Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Jared taking care of us behind the glass. And, you know, this Preds team is a team of streaks. Had a seven-game winning streak, had a five-game winning streak, had a small losing streak, but they're streaking again. I love a good streak. Yeah, three... Oh, yes, they call it the streak. <laughs> Woo! Boogity and boogity. Uh, three games in a row for the National Predators. They are undefeated in Seattle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all time. All They're all, all time, time undefeated. That's the, huge. Zero losses in the city of Seattle for the National Predators. That's, that's huge. That's huge. I mean, that's something to hang on. Granted, it's 1-0, and oh, but... <laughs> They're undefeated there. Uh, they have a, a good win against Detroit, and uh, the one, the quality one, I think, out of those would be the one against Winnipeg mm-hmm. at home uh, in a game where they were massively outshot, but they got an early lead. They were able to hold on to it, and Yusuf Saros just did what he does and shuts such people down. And just, I don't know if he's listening, but I, I did see that Sean Henry liked the tweet about the show, and that's usually the bat signal. Of course when, he's when listening. Let me his name. So, Sean, Sean, if you're listening, thank you. Sean doesn't miss a show, right? <laughs> right. Sean, right? <laughs> he so I got some texts from him, and he wants to do a live pod. He wants to do a live podcast recording from my wedding reception in April. Oh, my gosh. We have to. See? I, kn- I knew you Let's would say Let's get on that. the horn with Sean and talk oh boy. about this. <laughs> oh, boy. He might call now. <laughs> Oh, that's he should. The case. He should. We'll he make a plan. Uh, but we do have plenty to talk about. We're going to have Michael Gallagher of the National Post join us in the next segment. Then we're going to just... Do what we do here at Penalty Box Radio after that, and we've talked about and some talk. serious and, and serious topics going on around sports and, and hockey in general. Uh, and then we have plenty of questions that you asked. You can still get those in on Twitter at Justin B. Bradford or at Penalty Box Radio uh, if you want us to talk about those topics in the last segment. But, yes, let's talk about the Nashville Predators. They are continuing to look like an extremely competitive team, and that's mm-hmm. what's important now is 44 games into the season, you know what kind of team you have in the Nashville Predators. Even in December when they had that seven-game winning streak, it's like, mm, there's st- is it still the team that's going to go through the rest of the season? And while they still have plenty of games to play, you see now you have a competitive team that even if they do go on some sort of losing streak, they can battle right back in mm-hmm. in the standings with a winning streak of their own. This team knows how to win. They know how to make adjustments. There's always going to be those little blips f- for any team in the season, as long as you don't blip like what the Montreal Canadiens have done, which is blip all season, mm-hmm. then then you're going to be okay. Uh, but the National Predators currently sitting second in the Central, uh, 44 games played, 57 points. Uh, just ahead of them, 61 points are the Colorado Avalanche. They have four games in hand. It's a lot of games in hand. Uh, up beneath Nashville, you have St. Louis at 42 games played, 55 points, and Minnesota with only 38 games played and 53 points. So, there's a lot of movement that could happen within the top four teams in the Central just because of games in hand. But as it stands right now, the Predators are in a very good spot, which is where you want them to be. And especially why is because of guys like Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been crazy to see what they're able to accomplish right now. And Philip Forsberg just always is continuously looking like a man on a mission. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, even just going back to the last two games against Detroit, the penalty kill, they – I was – the most solid that we've seen in a while. I mean, four minute, I think it was a four minute main advantage in the first period against Detroit. They shut this down. And then you've got not just players like Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne, but we've talked repeatedly this season about the depth in the lineup of people scoring. Luke Cunning is finally starting to get on a roll. Yes, yes, yes. Um, super excited to see that because we all just kind of felt like that was coming. But it just hadn't quite made it there mm-hmm. yet. Um, but he's slowly starting to find his groove. And when you look at the game 
against Seattle, I mean, he was one of four players to make it to the back of the net. Um, And so it's once again showing us that while this team is going to have their ups and downs like every team does, they don't lack the talent, they don't lack skill, they don't lack the depth. They have all of that. So when you go through the motions and you're going through those little low periods, just like you said, they know how to bounce back. It's not a fluke at this point that they're doing great, and it's not a fluke that they have a random one-off or two-off games where it's – not looking their best, but that's to be expected in any league. So it's just, I mean, there was nothing that's happened that was that's too terrible for them to be able to bounce back from. They're showing that they're right. capable, they've got the depth to do it, um, and that's the most important thing that you want because you never know what's going to happen when it comes time to the playoffs. If they're in the playoffs and injuries happen, they don't have to worry about one man going down and then their whole playoff chance is being ruined. They don't have to worry about that. And there's been seasons where that was the case, right. and that's not the case this year. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. And the the good key factor about this Predators team playing as many games as they have is that they're actually going to have some space <laughs> coming up uh, in the schedule to where it's going to be very helpful, given if there's any guys that are slightly banged up or to let some guys heal or just to have a few practice sessions. Because think about it. There are some teams that haven't played anywhere near 44 games like the National Predators have. There are some teams, for instance, within the conference that you look at Chicago, played, uh, let's see, 42 games. No, not there. Let me resort this. But then within the conference, Calgary played 37 games. Edmonton's played 38. Uh, Minnesota's played 38. That six-game difference, that's a lot that's going to be squeezing in to finish Mm -hmm. out the season. I mean, there's only a few months left in the season. There are 44 games for the Predators. So that means between now and... And the end of April, some of these teams are going to squeeze in a lot of games, over 40 games. That, that's a ton of games right there, too. So what the bodes well for the Predators is that you look at their schedule, too. Coming up in February, where the Olympic break was supposed to be, they're going to have about a week off. After the Vancouver game at home next week on February 1st, they'll have six total days off before their away game at Dallas, then two more days off Winnipeg, two more days off Washington, two more days off Carolina, three days off. They don't have one back-to-back in February. That is very good for this team, too, just to allow guys that you get banged up through the season, and if you want to go get ready for a playoff run, that's what you need, especially because March has plenty of games to be played, Mm -hmm. and as does April with with plenty of weekend back-to-backs. Every single weekend except for the first in April has weekend back-to-back games of Saturday-Sunday, Saturday-Sunday, Saturday-Sunday. Oh, yeah, and I think even in the last 12 or so games, I think they had like – or 12 days they had about – seven games so it was yeah they had it packed so they they deserve a little break in february yeah it's, it's <laughs> gonna be that. great so i mean it's gonna benefit them well while the standings may be a little off and you're gonna see that adjust over the next couple weeks as mm-hmm. other teams start making up their games it's in a good position for this team as it is because they have shown depth now coming in they still have had players rotating in and out of covid protocol a couple injuries here and there they're showing some good depth on the blue line now too matt tennyson has just come in and he's been able to perform and get a couple of points as well. And it's not just having to lay back that he's been able to contribute. And that's what you want to see out of depth players. So it's boding well for them right now. And it's not to oversell it, but things are lining up to where this team can still remain competitive. They can stay healthy overall, hopefully, with how light February is for them. Now, and I kind of like that too, instead of having two weeks off where they might just go on a full vacation, and they have a game and they can get a couple practices in. I'm sure they'll get a couple days off, which will be good for their mental health as well. And they'll have another game to keep them fresh 
uh, as well, too. So I, I do like the February schedule the way it's turning out. I'm going to miss a couple games because I'll be in the middle of the ocean um, <laughs> or at Disney World. Busy honey. Uh, but, but it's going to be good, for, I think, for this team for the month of February, the way it's panning out uh, as well. And the big thing, I know we mentioned him a little bit, but Matt Duchesne, is he's not calming down. He is not slowing down. He's continuing to produce. And this is one of those shockers. I talked with Darren McFarlane of the Preds pregame show yesterday uh, before the game just about Matt Duchesne and that he's one of those players that you were, we weren't taking into account him performing like this when we were talking about where we thought the Predators might be or what kind of team they may be. We were taking into account that he's going to have a season he's typically been having for the Predators because we expected Philip Forsberg to have a good season. Contract year. He's obviously still very hungry. There's more pressure on him to perform. He would be the one offensive player to have more pressure on him to perform. He's doing what he's supposed to do. But Matt Duchesne having 40 points, or 39 points in 40 games, we didn't expect him to be a point-per-game player. So you add that to it, that's why the Predators team is where they're at now, too. And he's playing very balanced. He's been fast. His skating has been just lights out compared to where we've seen in the past couple of seasons as well, too. He's creative out there, and he's going to the right places. And he's just looking like he's a completely different comfor- player. Yeah, he finally feels yeah. comfortable in his game. Yes. And he went into turbo mode this season. <laughs> and you love to see it. But that's a very good point because I think everyone had gotten so used to his performance being pretty mediocre compared to what everybody yeah. expected when – he first came here so yeah you love to see it i mean you look at let's let's look at some of the, the past seasons here for uh matt duchene he in the eighteen nineteen season between ottawa and columbus he had a 70 point season in only 73 games as well i mean there's that trade involved there too but that's mm-hmm. that's pretty darn impressive now at 40 games and 39 points he he should surpass that if he plays the whole season he should be more than, at more than 70 points. He's just one point under. So I'd expect him right now to be around 79, 78 points for the season or maybe even more. Mm-hmm. That's extremely impressive because that would be a career year for him. Can you imagine? Because his 2013-14, 70 points with the Colorado Avalanche, and then the 18-19 between Ottawa and Columbus, 70 points. Those are his top point-producing seasons. Can Can you imagine if he sets – a new personal best this far into his career. He has been playing professional hockey since 2009, 2010, where he played a full season with the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. So to be 12, 13 years into your career and have a career year, talk about it. really a, hit your stride. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that, that right there would show the Predators fans, like, okay, you know what? That was good. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Good. You're proving yourself, man. So. So many things have come together for this team. I know we've talked with Tanner Cheneau plenty of times, but Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg, Mikhail Granlin, Ryan Johansson, Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi. Like I said last <clears throat> week, we always just say, oh, Roman Yossi, like everybody knows. but Non-all-star Roman Yossi. We've got to, I know. we got to always give him credit. Got to give him credit. We've gotten so comfortable with how good he is. Everybody's like, oh, well, of course, Roman. Of course, of course. Roman. But. All right, so up next, let's get a perspective uh, from just another Preds writer, uh, Michael Gallagher, who covers all sorts of sports throughout Middle Tennessee for the National Post. He's joining us up next to talk more Predators here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Jared. And let's continue our Preds talk. We have Michael Gallagher, the National Post, joining us right now. Michael, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So just 
I mean, obviously you cover so many sports throughout Nashville and everything too, but the Nashville Predators is obviously a story right now with how they're just continuing to prove, I think, all of us wrong with what we thought this team would be like at the beginning of the season. What's been one of the most surprising factors for you as this team has crossed the halfway point of the season? Uh, I think it's got, it's got to be Matt Duchesne. I, I don't I don't think anyone foresaw him having the year he had. And I know you just kind of touched on just it's crazy to think that being 30, 31, he could potentially be having his career year right now. And I, I, I don't think anyone kind of saw him exploding onto the scene like he has this year. And I think if I had to pick a second one, it would be just how good UC Saros has been. I think we all kind of thought he could continue how he was in the second half of, the, of last year. But just to see that he hasn't really fallen off at all, I think has been a little bit surprising that someone could be that good for so long. And so we all talked about it. We, we thought where this team would be at the end of the season. And anything can still happen, but I think they've kind of proven at least competitive. So here's an opportunity. Where did you think this team was going to be at the start of the season? I mean, I said they'd probably be like six in the division or maybe push for a wild card. Where did you have this team just to kind of prove how surprised we all have been this season with them? So it's funny, the, the It's All Your Fault podcast that we do with the Nashville scene and the Nashville Post, we did a preseason kind of prediction. And I predicted the Preds would make the playoffs, and I predicted they would finish fourth. I did not Ooh, have a lot of confidence okay. in that prediction. I just kind of threw it out there, and I was like, you know what? If they hit, I look like a genius. If they miss it, oh, well, no one expected <laughs> them to do well this year. And so far, they're making me look like I know what I'm talking yeah. about. I, I kind of figured they would be a fringe playoff team. Just, just with how good the the herd line is with Jano and Trenton, and then how good Saros is, I figured they'll at least have a shot to kind of be on the bubble, maybe make a playoff run if if everything goes right. You know, if Tolvanen takes that next step, if Tomasino kind of hits like they think he's going to, if if the Cosmos align and everything goes exactly right for the Predators, they they could be a playoff team. I did not envision them being in second place halfway through the season, so. I, I, I'll take it. I'll, I'll say that I kind of knew what I was talking about, but I, I did not expect them to be as good as they are right now. Michael, you mentioned Tanner Janot. We've talked a lot on here about Tanner Janot and how he very much should be part of the conversation for the Calder Trophy. But I know that, you know, some players fly under the league-wide radar, so not everybody is a sexy pick. But what do you think it would take for people outside of Nashville to actually make him part of that conversation and being a legitimate contender? Honestly, I, I really don't know the answer to that question. I mean, I don't know what more Tanner Janot could possibly do. And, and they mentioned this a little bit on the ESPN broadcast last night. I wish they would have expounded on a little bit more. But I think he, he's either leading rookies or second in, in goals among rookies. He's up there in like the top four or five in points, and he's doing it all while getting the, the least amount of power play time out of, out of, I think, all the top ten scores for rookies. So he, Tanner Janot is – going out there and he's scoring and he's being that true power forward that this team is really, it really hasn't had since James, James Neal kind of left. Forsberg's been the power forward that you kind of rely on. And other than that, you don't really have anyone to fill that role. Janot's really kind of stepped in, taking the bull by the horn, so to speak, embrace that role. And people don't like, you see Tanner Janot coming at you, you get out of his way. You don't want to get hit by the guy. And then if you get out of his way, you give him a clear lane to score. He's going to take it. So I, I, I don't know what more he could possibly do to, prove that he should I don't even think he should be in the discussion I think he should be the clear front runner I, I know that Trevor Zegris and Maurice Sider and all those other guys they're they're fancier they, they do a lot more they're I don't know more offensively gifted I would say but I just watching Tanner Janot I feel like out of all the rookies he is by far the most impressive all things considered 
well, especially what he's able to do with the ice time that he receives, just because he's not as, he's, he's not on the power play, and that's awesome that he's been able to accomplish that many goals with that limited ice time to not be on a special teams unit where you have extra space out there as well. So, yeah, he one hundred percent one hundred percent deserves to be in that discussion, and like you even said, should be a favorite, but it's just going to be so difficult, as you know, to get voters to to do that with the, this day and age with sexy picks. Uh, speaking of 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 sexy. Philip Forsberg and his goal <laughs> last night. I was like, where is this going? <laughs> yeah, what a segue, right? Uh, but to be able to go coast to coast like a man on a mission, looking at Philip Forsberg, too, in, in terms of re-signing, because now we're really starting to get into the, the heat of re-sign or trade. It's going to be tough to pull that one off now, I think, for Predators fans to accept that. What are your thoughts on this? What do you think is, is the holdup right now for, for Philip Forsberg and, and the Predators in management? If I had to put my my best guess out there, I think Philip Forsberg right now does not want to sign anything before the season ends. And right now, he unfortunately for David Poyle, Forsberg holds all the cards. I mean, Poyle could come to him and offer him whatever he wants right now, but I think Forsberg would be better off waiting until the end of the season. I mean, we could be talking about the end of the year. Forsberg could be a 45-goal scorer. He could have the Predators record for, mo- for most goals in a career like I think all that's just only going to drive the price further up. So it benefits Philip Forsberg right now to sit and wait till the end of the year. And as he said in, in training camp, he's okay with that. He is not in a hurry to sign anything. He knows when this year ends, he's going to have his pick of teams if the Predators don't offer him what he wants. And that's that's the thing, too. David Poyle is going to have to back up the Brinks truck and give him whatever he wants. Forsberg <laughs> is basically just going to be handed a blank check. If he wants $10 million, you give him $10 million. And I know – with Matthew Shane and Ryan Johansson, their salaries, that kind of scares you. But the difference is Forsberg hasn't shown any kind of signs of worrying about his scoring dropping off or him getting a big check and then him kind of not producing like Johansson and Duchesne have. So it, I feel for David Poyle, he's going to have to dish out probably a 9 or a $10 million a year contract to Forsberg. He might even have to give on, on the no movement, no trade clauses that he doesn't hand out. Forsberg right now just holds all the cards. In, in this situation, and I mean, the guy's averaging 1.1 goals per game. You kind of, he's your leading <laughs> scorer, like most game winning goals on the team. Like his, his save percentage, by the way, is 23.9. That's the fourth best out of everybody in the NHL. I don't see how David Poyle can't just give him what he wants. And that's going to be quite interesting to see where that goes from here. Again, Michael Gallagher of the National Post joining us right now. So sticking with Forsberg as well, you throw out the, the 9 or 10. I mean, you look at this this roster, they have two guys at 8 with Duchesne and Johansson. You have Roman Yossi at just over 9 uh, with that cap. Obviously, it, it helps that um, Ryan Ellis came off, Victor Arvidsson came off. Uh, but they're going to have some contracts that are going to need to be reworked or re-signed. I mean, what to do with Luke Cunning uh, won't be too much, but, I mean, he's at 2.3 and that gives some wiggle room right there. Luckily, they have Saros for what they do. What do you think in terms of, if you look at the, that salary right there, what's the term going to be like? Is Forsberg going to want that the, the rest of his career type of term or try to make a lot of money in short term and see if he can get a bigger one to close it out? I mean, that's a, that's a good question. The last time he signed a, a deal, it was you know six years, which is pretty – that's pretty good for a long-term contract extension. Grant, he signed that when he was like 21, 22 but I, I could I could see it going either way. I could see if Forsberg's truly committed and all the stuff with trading Arvidsson and Ellis and all that stuff, if he truly has gotten over that and he wants to be here and he's sold that this team can be a cup contender for the foreseeable future, which the way they're playing now, there's no reason to, to doubt that unless they just have a huge drop-off in the final 38 games. If Forsberg's fully committed, I, I could see another five- or six-year deal. 
Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if he signed, you know, like a Grandland deal where he gets like four or five years and he can still cash in again one more time before he retires. And I, I think that it just kind of depends on where Forsberg thinks this franchise is. And if he's sold on, okay, the cup window's not closed like everyone was claiming it was last year and they still have some more time to kind of add a couple more pieces, maybe add, you know, another center, another top line forward, someone else to kind of come in and, and, boost that offense so to speak as you look at the Predators and they have a really good team right now but they don't have that Alex Ovechkin that Connor McDavid Forsberg is trying his hardest to, to, to be that player but you know we saw with the Tampa Bay Lightning all of the really good teams that win cups don't just have their offense doesn't just come from one guy and right now the Predators their offense is coming for many people but when the playoffs start if Philip Forsberg is off usually the rest of the team is off Make a very good point there, too, in terms of depth that, I mean, you, you can't rely upon one guy. Yeah, Duchesne's doing well, but who's going to step up with secondary scoring? So it kind of leads to next question here as well, too, in terms of secondary scoring. Luke Cunnan's finally starting to get going. I mean, Yakov Trenin's chipped in a few. Do you have Tanner Janot? What's one offensive player, or it could be even a defensive guy that contributes, what's one player that you'd like to see a little bit more from in terms of production that maybe has underproduced from what expectations might have been? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the, the herd line is kind of, overachieving a little bit. I mean, Janot with 13 goals and 26 points, and then you got Sissons behind him with 19. And I mean, Yakov Trenin's got 10 goals. That's I feel like that, that's really good for, for what we kind of envision his role being. I think if I had to pinpoint one player I would want a little more out of, and uh, this may be a little bit of low-hanging fruit, but I feel like it's Ellie Tolvanen. And I, you know, you feel bad for the kid because he, he, he doesn't know what stability is. I mean, he's he's never really consistently been on the same line. He's been up on the top line with Johansson for a little bit, then he's back on the fourth line, then he's bumped up to the second line, and then he's all over the place. You feel like if he could just get some stability for like a 10 or a 20 game stretch, he would really settle into a groove. But six goals, 15 points in 42 games. After what he did last year, how he basically came in and single-handedly resurrected the the power play from the dead, so to speak, you just kind of expected. And I even, you know, on, on the podcast, our podcast I did, I, I said, I, I felt like if, if Tolvanen could carry that over into this year, he could flirt with 30 goals. So far, I'm looking like I'm way off on that. <laughs> and just, just the talent he has, the, the, the shot alone, the kid has probably a top 10 wrist shot in the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy considering the amount of talented players that are in the league. But you just kind of, you expect more than six goals from him. You expect more than 15 points, especially halfway through the season. Right. You would like to see him be at that 10 goal, 20, paint, 20 point pace. And you would expect him to be outscoring Tanner Janot. You'd expect him to be outscoring Colton Sissons, Cunning, Trenton, and all those guys. And he's just, sadly, he's just not, getting the chances that he probably should and, and you you've seen him this year his defensive game has improved by leaps and bounds but now it's starting where people fans were like oh is he a defensive liability now it's like it has his defense improved at the, at the sake of his offense kind of oh very good point there and final question for you john hines has been under a lot of fire previously just the past two seasons where it's just been coming in then going to the bubble and then shortened season and then off to a eh, slow start this year and then finally the team finding its groove. What is your overall assessment of not just John Hines but the coaching staff in general because things seem to be clicking pretty well just overall with this coaching staff they have in place right now? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy how last year and even the beginning of this year there were fire Hines chants in the stands and now we're talking about a guy who could realistically (laughs) be a finalist for the Jack Adams Award and I know the NHL.com, they had, you know, 16 of their writers do a poll on who the who the favorites were, and it was, you know, Mike Sullivan, Gerard Gallant, Rod Brindamore, and guys like that. But I really feel like 
John Hines probably has as good of a, a resume this year as anyone else for the job he's doing. I'm, I'm going to throw some stats at you, and it's just crazy to think that the Predators are where they are right now. They have the seventh-best power play, and they've scored the third-most power play goals this year. They have the number 12-ranked penalty kill, which is sort of incredible considering that they spent more time on the penalty kill this year than any other team in the league. They also lead the league in the most five-on-three minutes played. That alone should make him the front-runner considering how disastrous the special teams have been the last three years. <laughs> And the, the, just the work that he's done to really – he came in, he got rid of Dan Muse, he brought in his guys, he brought in his coaching staff. And, and like, uh, you feel bad for the guy. His first two years, he didn't really get to run his system and get his guys in because of the COVID-shortened uh, seasons and all the stuff he had going on and all that. And you just kind of – you felt bad that you, you're just like, man, if he could just really get a chance to make this his team. This year, he's really doing that. And, you know, we kind of joke about the whole the Predators, we want to be gritty mantra they've been using, but – John Hines has really embraced that, and he's kind of taken that and put that into play on the ice. And you and the results show Nashville leads the league in fighting majors. They lead the league in hits, and they have the ninth most blocked shots. There, there's really been an emphasis on the toughness of this team, and that really kind of trickles down from the way John Hines has been coaching. I think he's done a phenomenal job, and if he got another three- or a four-year contract extension based off of what he's done this season, I'd be okay with it. All right. Very fair analysis right there. Michael, we appreciate you joining us, man. Thanks so much for, for your, your time and your analysis on the Preds. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Folks, Michael Gallagher, the Nashville Post. You can follow him on Twitter at MGSports underscore. So many articles covering the Preds, but not just that, the, the Titans and college sports here in town and also Nashville SC too. So it does a great job of covering sports here in Nashville over at the Nashville Post. Okay, up next. Let's talk about some serious stuff going on in in sports and especially in hockey. We ha- there have been a few incidents that have happened. There have been through with dealing with racism, sexism. We're going to discuss it. It feels awkward, but you're not making change if you're not feeling a little awkward when you talk about it. You have to get awkward in order to make change and talk about these topics. So we're going to discuss that up next. Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, one two five, the game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Jared taking care of us. You've been doing a fantastic job taking care of us too the past few weeks, Glenn. I'm really liking this Jared guy. Thank you. <laughs> he's, been, he's been fantastic. Oh, he looks so shy and humble when, when he said thank you. But for real, he's been taking really good care of us. He, he always does. Before the before here. the wedding, he gave me some really good wedding advice as well too. Aww, so just cool so just to get to talk wedding stuff with him. He's a peach. Yes. And he's Absolutely. got some good little jams. So Absolutely. We appreciate the jams. We always appreciate we the jams. We love a good jam. All right, folks. Well, uh, there have been so many different events that have happened over the past what month and even just most recently the past week. And so many different incidents out here. And just starting with, with some different racist actions that have taken place just in the AHL and the ECHL over in Europe um, of – Black and biracial players is dealing with with gestures being thrown their way by opposing players. Um, Boko Imana, um, Imama, sorry, Derek Jocelyn. Uh, it's just <laughs> there's been so many different incidents that keep happening in the sport that we love that it's it's one of those things we want to address. And I don't want to get preachy, even though I'm sure some of you are like, you're just preaching again, man. But it's bringing it more to attention to know that these are these are things that are still it's 2022. And we're still having this go on. And these are in professional leagues. And never that it's never an excuse. 
when it happens in junior leagues or anything like that. But these are grown men. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse. Well, they're just a kid. They're being dumb. They're, no. No, these are grown. In their 20s. They're grown. Yeah. And, I, and making these things and making these things towards other people. Intentionally. Intentionally. I think P.K. Subban said it so well in his tweet um, when it came out about Jordan Subban. I mean, he said, with everything that's gone on in the past couple of years in this world, he said, with all due respect to everyone who has an opinion, this was not a mistake. You know what you should do. You know what you shouldn't do. You know what's okay. You know what's not okay. It's 2022. Everybody knows, like you said, these are grown men. I mean, a 20-year-old knows better. A 20-year-old is not a child. They know better. And, and you know you know better. And, or should know better. They should be knowing better because you're seeing all this on social media. You're seeing videos. You're seeing so many different actions that are happening. And the ECHL incident against Jordan Subban, but the day after the suspension happened with what happened in the AHL. What? Yeah. Like, how... In, in both cases, players are using the defense of it was the tough guy pose. But you also, mm. league in and out, no matter what league you're in, you can see a tough guy pose that's not, that's not like a racist. That. And, yeah. and here's the thing, and I know it's been brought up multiple times, and it's, another, it's a what about mm. type of thing, so pardon that. But how come his teammates did not come to his defense in the ECHL? You saw plenty of players going after Panetta. Mm-hmm. You didn't see many teammates coming to defend him. Mm-hmm. And the team took pretty quick. I know we want instant reaction, but it happened the very next morning where we had team reaction and league reaction. Even so much as the NHL put out a statement, too. Mm-hmm. And teams put out statements. But you know what? It's getting past the point of statements. Mm-hmm. You just need real change. And to not just focus on racism in sport or in the sport. But we're also seeing it with plenty, plenty of sexism, sexism as well. The Vancouver Canucks. They named player agent Emily Castingay assistant general manager on Monday. The first female AGM in team history. That is glass ceiling breaking. That is mm-hmm. huge. Because you're starting to see so much more. We've seen it in, in officiating. We've seen women now officiating pro sports and, and basketball. We're seeing it more in hockey. We're seeing so that movement to realize that 100% absolutely qualified mm-hmm. for this as well. And for if you're not familiar with Castaneda's background, she was a player agent with Momentum Hockey. She became the NHLPA's first female certified agent in 2016. Her clients include Alexi Lafanier. <laughs> That's a pretty big one. <laughs> Number mm-hmm. one overall pick. Cedric Paquette. Anton Roussel. And then female hockey star Marie-Philippe Poulin who's a gold medalist with Team Canada. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's represented some pretty big names already. So she obviously knows how to work with contracts, which what's a big part about being a general manager? Working with contracts. That's, that's huge right there. And then you see the comments start rolling in. Mm-hmm. And things like, didn't realize that the, the assistant general manager's office was in the kitchen. And or- also, also, like you said, she's a former player agent, but she also has a finance and a law degree. Oh, wow. What about that? So, I mean, it's also important to note, like, like you said, this is, this is an exceptional hire for this organization. Right. This is not even a hire just to fill the role with a woman, just so you can say you did. This is an exceptional individual who is beyond qualified. Um, 
I mean, she's going to play a lead role in contract negotiations. Mm -hmm. She has been on the other side of the table in those. So if you want anybody, you want somebody that's been on the other side of the table. And so her law background is also going to be a huge asset. And you actually see that in a lot of different facets of the league. A lot of people, there's people in player safety who have law degrees. I mean, it's finance and law (laughs) degrees. So it's, she's primarily going to be handling, um, Matters for the CBA compliance, contract negotiation, cap management, all of this that falls under everything that she's been doing her entire career. And so to undermine all of that, not even just her finance and law degree, but the the years of experience that she has with comments like that, it just it blows my mind. It blows my mind more that she probably wasn't swept up earlier. Oh, yeah. Like the, the fact <laughs> that she's teams. just now getting hired. And she's one. There's so many more women out there that have this background as well in dealing with this. And this is this is a it's a glass ceiling breaking because you're going to see more. There, there are so few women in hockey operations in the NHL that there needs to be more, especially, too, because you have professional women's hockey, you have Olympic women's hockey, you have women's college hockey and everything. They're, they're going to start running out of the excuse men are of, well, she didn't even play the game. Well, maybe didn't play in the NHL, but she damn well played the game. A lot of those men didn't play the game either. No, so. they didn't. They've been sitting <laughs> on their couch with their, with their clicker, just <laughs> go, with changing the channel or on their phone making comments and going, <laughs> well, they dipped their buffalo wing in ranch. Getting smears all over their screens. No, <laughs> greasy fingers all yeah, over the screen. Old greasy fingers going. Get back to the kitchen. Get yourself to the kitchen. Make a salad and wash your hands. While and you're wash at your it. hands with soap. Come on, man. Like I, it. It's she's wh- too busy to even read those comments and because the, she's got oh, stuff yeah. going on. Well, but. then you have the underhanded comments of, I don't know who she is or if she's even qualified. But if she is, that's great. Well, if you click the article or, you know, or actually read. Googled something, you would know that she's highly qualified. And there's so many more that can be qualified. And we're going to keep going through this. And it's just getting so frustrating. Not even on the hockey side, but if we weren't aware, there was a, a big record that was set in NCAA women's basketball last night. Ayoka Lee with Kansas State set a new women's basketball record with 61 points on Sunday. That's, that's huge. You can only imagine what the comments were like. Hey, this is that's a, women's college basketball has been around for a long time, so that's a, that's a big record to break because she outscored multiple teams <laughs> that played that day. Because we know it's a low scoring, but she outscored multiple teams with what she did with her record breaking. And you can only imagine the comments underneath that. Again, I said I didn't want to preach, but it's more about what do we need to do? Yeah, to get past this. Yeah, and I don't even know necessarily that you call that preaching it's the fact that people aren't talking about it is the problem so if people come if people listen and they think that it's preachy i'm sorry but (laughs) i mean you either talk about it or you don't and the fact that you don't is the reason why we're in 2022 and we're still trying to have this conversation still and there's so many ways that that you can make sure this stops happening and people say well it's just facebook comments facebook comments are are violent was yeah they are but you can call people, people need to out. stop being vile. You stop being vile <laughs> because then it also <laughs> happens in real life on the ice, yeah. on the court, wherever. Think, it's not th- just on Facebook and social media. And you know what gets me is I see some of these comments, and it's like fathers with their profile picture oh, with their young it makes daughter. Me sick. 
or even their son because or they're their raising son. their son to do the same thing. It's like it's a be be aware. Here here's my advice. And what I'd like to see is people be aware, more aware of who's going to see your comments and what you're saying. Who's listening to you? Who's who's reading what you're writing out there on social media? Yeah, you can have burner accounts and things like that. But most of these aren't burner accounts. These are real people, especially on Facebook. Mm-hmm. They're real people making these comments to where they list with your their family on your cover photo. With your family in your cover photo that you might have a daughter that someday wants to be a general manager of a sports team. It doesn't matter if it's women's professional sports or men's professional sports. Just wants to be a general manager. Could see that comment. Or you, your son sees that comment and how he can talk about people that look different than him. Or if he wants to be a general manager, he's going to go be one with the same right. attitude. And what you, you list your employer mm-hmm. on there as well? I mean, think. And it's, I know the people listening to us, they're not doing that. <laughs> but it's more of a what can you do is correct people. It's mm-hmm. t- totally okay to correct people, and you don't have to be so yelling at them or anything like that, but correct people. Make people think twice. Correct them on their behavior. Yeah. You don't have to go and be a Karen about it But you can people. say that was highly inappropriate. You can say that's highly inappropriate. That's not correct. That's not true. Do you realize that your children see you talking like this? Mm-hmm. That, is, that is one of the best things I think you can do to correct it right now, too, as just a person out there on the internet or in general – as well, too, is that remember that all of us and make sure you talk to you. I'm sure every single one of us has one person in our life that we know makes stupid statements like this all the time. We all do, whether it's family, most likely family, friends <laughs> <laughs> that say things like this, correct their behavior. You can do it in a way to where you're coming off as trying to be sincere as possible, but correct their behavior. Do your part. To make sure we're making this world a better place for the people that are going to play these sports in the years to come. Because I can't even come close to imagine what the Subans have gone through growing up. Or or anyone has gone through growing up. I mean, it would be interesting to talk to, uh, to, talk to some Asian players. Matt Dumba. Of what he, I'm sure there's been plenty of things. But we know it starts young. We know it starts so young. There's so many things we probably miss when these kids are playing pickup games or playing in juniors and what they probably hear in locker rooms or on the ice or on the bench. There are ways that hockey players can chirp that you don't have to bring up race or gender or anything like that. What happened to your mama jokes? What? <laughs> I mean, there, there's so many ways to chirp and do it in a way where you can get under player skin where you telling, don't have to bring that up. Telling a guy who's one inch shorter than you, stand up while you're talking to me. Yeah. Make a I, mean, <laughs> I mean, those are the good ones. There's so many ways. I mean, Ryan Johansson thinks perfected a way to, to, to chirp oh from the bench gosh. in some of the videos we've seen. He's great. But that's been the, the thing for me is just correct people because the world's changing whether you like it or not. And we're trying to make it a better place. We're trying to make it a better place for the young people out there that want to play sports, that want to be a leader in sports, that want to be able to to be out there and break more glass ceilings, whatever they may be, but people that want to make a change and make a difference. And we cannot deter them from being a leader. We have to do everything possible to support those that are going to make a difference in this world, whether it's sports or just in the world in general. We have to support them. We have to stand up for them. We have to do whatever we possibly can to make sure that they are welcome, they are included, and we welcome the change that they're going to bring to make our world a better place. Because that's what it's about. And it's not only in sports. It's in this world. We have to make sure we stand up for people and we protect people. That's what it's about. When you love, when you love something... I, well, it just starts, even a sports aside, it just starts at a human level. Yeah, it starts human. with every single individual person that wakes up and looks at himself in the mirror 
And that's how the sports world's affected. That's how your organization that you work for is affected. Everything that you come in contact with is affected by that one single decision that you make every single morning of who do I want to be today. And it's up to all of us. Mm-hmm. It's every up to single all one of us. us. All right. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have a few questions that came in. So let's go ahead and discuss those uh, from favorite songs to Forsberg and John Hines and re-signing and things like that. So we will see what the answers are up next. Penalty to Box Radio, ESPN, 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box here to ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Jared. I almost forgot to come back in. I was just... That was mm. so smooth. I know. I have my eyes closed. I'm yeah. swaying. <laughs> that's just that's a feel-good song. That is a feel-good song. I haven't heard that one in a while. No. Thank you for that, Jared. That Yeah. No problem. That's good. Yeah, that was Al good. Green. So smooth. You can't, you can't go wrong with Al Green. Uh-uh. You just can't. That voice and the just the that slow beat. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. All right. <laughs> Speaking of songs, <laughs> excuse me, I got something in my throat here. It's from our friend Jack. <clears throat> Which song makes you want to dance, crazy dance more? Bang on the Drum by Todd Rundgren. Oh, Snap Your Fingers by Lil John. Okay, for me, Lil John, Snap Your Fingers. This, this song came out in my heyday when I was living life. And uh, yeah. I will still, after all these years, crazy dance to that, whether it's in my kitchen or in public. You can't help it. Like, you all of a sudden, your body just starts. You don't even, you don't even mean to, but you're like, you just start getting into it. That reminds me of the TikToks I've been seeing. It's like 8.59, and it's the, the, the woman getting ready, brushing, brushing uh-huh. her hair and everything, singing an intense rap song. Oh, and then she jumps and then on her nine, computer. And then 9 a.m. <laughs> yes, you know, based on the reports that I saw, I'd really like you to have those done by by 9.05. Thank you. <laughs> That's so true. That's me. Snap your fingers. Do your step. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely mine, too. I mean, Bang on the Drum's a good one. I mean, it's... Oh, it's well, it's so catchy. But it crazy is. dance. Crazy dance. Because well, I'm just snapping my fingers. Oh, yeah. Especially and then my body like, starts going. When... when all adults listening can relate that when you have certain songs come on, you're doing the dishes, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, water's just spraying everywhere because you're just jamming. You start dancing like you used to in the club. Yeah, that was a long time ago for me. Uh, me too, Justin. Oh, that's right. Remember. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Snappy Fingers came out in 2006. Oh, yeah. See, I was, well, I should have graduated by then. It was right before I, I moved to Nashville. So I was only a junior in college. I was a youngin'. Oh, glory days. Glory days with Lil John. Do you step? You could do it all by <laughs> this one, yourself. This one comes from Johnny. Um, what is most likely to happen come award season? John Hines gets the Jack Adams consideration or Saros gets buzz for the heart? I agree with Michael Gallagher saying that there's no reason that John Hines should not be in that conversation for Jack Adams. Um, so I honestly feel like that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I would, think that it should. I mean, you have to obviously wait and see right. how it play out. But 
I mean, if it was if it was Saros and Vezina, I'd say Saros and Vezina for sure. But Saros and Hart, I, they're gonna go with a with a forward. Mm-hmm. A forward's gonna get Hart buzz. So I would say John Hines. If this team finds a way to finish top three in the division, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely, there would be no reason not to. Right? If if they, if, I say only, if they only make it as a wild card, then I'd say. Mm. Because mm-hmm. they, they were competitive enough on paper to be a wild card. And it's not taking anything away. Because mm-hmm. it's been great what he's been able to do with this team. But if they finish top three in the division, he should 100% be top three. For in sure. In terms of Jack Adams. Yeah. Fully agree with that. This one comes from Robert. Does Phil resign, get traded before deadline, or is this the Poyle rental piece? A.K.A. what Granlin was supposed to be last year before he resigned. I honestly just... <clears throat> just- me thinking out loud personally, I think he'll resign. I think he will, but it's going to take a clause. Poyle cannot avoid it anymore. Yeah, but she when, when he's been he's had to give them away now. Mm-hmm. To what? To Duchesne, Yossi had a modified. Had, yeah, it's 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 going to have to happen. And it, what I'm think what I think is more what's more coming down to is the clause and term. I think the money's there. They're going to be able, they can afford to pay him now. They'll do that. Yeah. But it's term and clause. But I think at this point with Philip Forsberg showing, I mean, we've oh, all known. Yeah. Got to find a way. He ha- David Poyle has to do that. You got you got to find a way. You have to. Have a little bit of time, have mm-hmm. a little over a month to be able to get that done. All right. Uh next one again from Johnny. Uh this is let's see. He, oh, he he did this while a game was still going on, but he wanted to make sure we had it. What happens first? Forsberg breaks leg one's goal record or the Preds hit 500 wins all time in Bridgestone. Mm-hmm. So they're only nine away from that. And I believe Forsberg's only 12, 12 away. away. I'm going to say Forsberg breaking leg one's goal will come first. You think he's going to get 12 goals before in, in nine games? I mean, he's, well, he's pacing. He could, one I mean, that's a good one. question. It is a good question. I mean, if he's pacing 1.1 now. He can have one of those nights where oh, you notch a few. It's in Bridgestone, so it's only nine. It's nine home games. Okay. Yeah. So I'll say Forsberg breaks it first. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'll happen first. But just because I said that, watch him go out and it'll be pre- no, not that. Yeah. It'll just say the Preds will win. <laughs> oh. The Preds will win all time. <laughs> the five hundred wins of all time. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Forsberg okay. breaking like one goal. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, those are the questions that came in. We, as always, folks, appreciate you tuning in and appreciate you just listening to us and communicating with us, asking us questions. If you ever miss anything, you can always subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Music, Google, wherever you get your podcast. And please, please interact with us. She's at Rebecca Glenn. I'm at Justin B. Bradford and also at Penalty Box Radio. So for producer Jared and Glenn Blackwell, thank you so much for listening to Penalty Box Radio. I'm Justin Bradford here on ESPN 1025 The Game.